Amen. So, as usual, let's please just stand to our feet as we get into the Word of God this morning. I want to thank you all for being here. I know it was cold and tempting to stay in your covers. And ladies, your hair all look amazing. Your hair is just on point. Can we praise God for that? All right. <laughs> Genesis chapter 18, beginning at verse 17, as we continue our series, God First. And the letters are smaller every Sunday for me. All right. That's what the Word of God says. Should I hide my plans from Abram? The Lord asked. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations on the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right by doing what is just, then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. Now I want to jump over to an interesting passage, just the next chapter over. Chapter 19, verse 1. And this is about Lot now, and Sodom and Gomorrah, a story that a lot of us are familiar with. The Word of God says, That evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom, Lot was sitting there, and I want you to see something here. Lot was sitting there, and when he saw them, he stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, come to my home to wash your feet and be my guest for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. And oh no, they replied, We'll just spend the night out here in the city square. But Lot insisted, so at last they went home with him. Lot prepared a feast for them, completed with fresh bread made with yeast, and they ate. But before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city, surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, where are all the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. So Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. And he said, please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you and you can do with them whatever you wish. Father of the year, amen? Yeah. But please... Leave these men alone, for they are my guests and are under my protection. Stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to town as the outsider, and now he's acting like a judge. We'll treat you far worse than those other men. And they lunged toward Lot to break the door down. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house, and bolted the door. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house. So... They gave up trying to go inside. They gave up trying to go inside. As we go into the second part of our series, God First, I want to teach this morning on the subject of God First in your home. This is the most important one, I believe, of the series that you're going to have to really understand. But godliness begins... At the home. And if you have a home, whether you're married or not, have kids or not, single or not, God has to be first 
in your home. Last week, we talked about God first in your priorities. This week, we talk about God first in your home. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this morning. I pray, Lord, that your hand would be on Frankie this morning and help her to feel better, Jesus. And Father, as we come to your word now, I pray that you would help me to preach it, teach it, and help us to learn it, to live it out in our lives, Lord. Bless this Sunday morning, and we thank you, Lord, for the time that we can come together as a family to just lean on your word and, Father, grow together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. As we begin with the topic of God first in the home, I started thinking about my own home life. And I had the privilege and the blessing and the honor, really, to grow up in a Christian home. But sadly, that's not the case for many people. Maybe even you here today, you're saying, well, Pastor, I didn't have that privilege. I'm the first generation Christian in my family. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I wonder what that would have been like. So I started thinking about growing up in a Christian home. And it's interesting because when I look at my parents, my parents always put God first in our home. I never asked my mom or dad, hey, are we going to church tomorrow? That was just the dumbest answer. I mean, the dumbest question I would ever ask them. I knew without a doubt that on Sundays we were going to church. I knew that on Wednesdays, Bible said we were going to church. And, and then some, when the church had something to do, an event, or needed help, we were always in the church serving. I always saw my parents serving in the church. And what an honor that was. But I started thinking about my parents And see, as a child, I just assumed that my mom and dad were always Christian. And when you look at my mom and dad, you would think the same thing to you. Yeah, there was a point in my life. Let me tell you, there was a point in life, not my life, but there was a point in life that my parents were not Christian. There was a point in my parents' life they did not know Jesus. Isn't that weird? Because when you look at my parents, you would assume they always knew the Lord. But they didn't. And though my parents, you know, I'm going to talk about my mom for a moment. But my mom grew up in a home where, you know, they were Catholic and they believed in God and they, they tried their best to live right, but they didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And my grandmother, well, her marriage was struggling. And there was a lot of fighting going on. And I have permission to share this story, by the way. And there was a lot of fighting going on between my grandmother and my grandfather. And my grandmother would wait till my mom would be married to say, that's it, now I'm finally going to get divorced. I'm done with this. And in fact, when my mom was married, she was 20 years old. But my mom was married younger than that. How old were you? 17 years old. Wow. My grandmother decided that she was going to go over my mother and my father's apartment to break the news to them. That's it. I'm getting divorced. She wanted to go over to just let them know and prepare them. And as she went over, my mom and dad weren't home. But oddly enough, the landlord said, don't worry, I'll let you in the house. I'll let you in. And as she waited, 
hopeless and crying and defeated, she says she heard a car nearby. She thought it was my mom and dad. And as she looked out the window, it was not my mother and father, but it was a young man driving a church van that in English read, only Jesus can save. And in the fine print in the bottom, it said it in Spanish, solo Cristo salva. And my grandmother ran towards that van. The man didn't even speak Spanish, but all my grandmother did was point to her heart and say, Jesus! And this young man actually asked her, do you want to come in the van with me? My grandmother said yes! Jumped in the van with a total stranger who took her to the church to take her to the Spanish department of the church where someone taught her about Jesus Christ and it was in that moment she gave her life to Jesus. You see, no matter where you're at in life, God knows you need Him. And God will put everything together to reveal Himself to you. And it was an invitation that they asked her, do you want Jesus in your life? Do you want a relationship with Him? They weren't asking, do you want a religion? Do you want to just go to church every Sunday and pray and, or light candles or do this or do that? No. They said, do you want a relationship with Jesus? And my grandmother knew she needed the Lord. And she gave her life to Jesus. But the story doesn't end there. My grandmother was the first Christian in our family. And oddly enough, my mom and dad were very resistant towards her decision. Remember, I thought my parents always knew the Lord, always were saved. But there was a point that my parents didn't, she would invite them every Sunday. My grandmother went over my parents' house and to tell them how amazing the pastor was, how, how amazing church was, what she learned, and opened up the Bible to tell them, and they wanted nothing to do with it. My parents. And every Sunday she kept going and going. And every Sunday she would invite them. Iha, come to church. And she would invite my grandfather. And none of them wanted it. They kept resisting and resisting and resisting. And finally my mom had this bright idea. If we just say yes and go once, we can finally tell her, look, we went, we didn't like it, stop bothering us. And she went to church and that Sunday she got saved. But you know, before my mom and dad got saved at the same, the same Sunday service, my mom would try to get my grandmother not to come to church. And my mom would tell my grandmother every, almost every Sunday, hey, let's go to the beach because our family were always in the water. So we'd say, hey, let's go to the beach. And my grandmother would say, well, you know the answer to that. You know I go to church on Sundays. And my mom would persist, well, just this one time. Just, oh, why are you so fanatic? Why are you so radical? Just come with us. They would try and try to try. But my grandmother made it clear that when it came to her life, God was first. And my grandfather, every, she kept inviting him and inviting him. 
something changed. My grandfather began to notice the change in my grandmother to the point that he said, ah, it's not even fun to fight with you anymore. You don't answer back and you're submissive now and respectful. What is that? And my grandmother invited him to church, said no, until one Sunday they had a lunch at the church and he said, and every Sunday my grandmother would lay out a suit for him, hoping she'd come to church that Sunday, that he'd come to church. She took the time to lay out a suit every Sunday and he said no. When my grandfather found out that there was free food, he went to church that Sunday and got saved. God will use a van. God will use food. God will use anything to get you. But what I was thinking about was, what if my grandmother never put God first? What if she would have said, yeah, it's just one Sunday, it's a beautiful day, let's go to the beach. What if she never invited my, grand, my mom and dad to church? My grandmother invited everyone, every Sunday there was a stranger she took to church. My point is this. <clears throat> When it comes to God in the home, your family needs to know He's first in your life. Your children, your parents, your spouse, your friends, they have to know not to mess with you and God. That He will always be first. Most important, and of highest priority. And when you make that decision to put God first in your home, you never know the impact you're making on the lives of other people. And as my grandmother lays there now in the care facility with dementia, and she's just not herself anymore, I look at my whole family now, and I look at my my aunt who passed away, and my cousin. I look at all my family who are serving God now because of one woman that put God first in her home. You see, when I read this scripture, the Bible opened up to a man named Abraham. And looking at Abraham's life, the Bible says that God told Abraham, I will make you great. I will make you powerful. And the Bible clearly says that Abraham was a great and powerful man. God made him great because greatness comes from God. Genesis chapter 20 verse, verse 35 tells us exactly how great Abraham was. The Bible says that the Lord greatly blessed, this is his servants talking about him, the Lord has greatly blessed my master. He has become a wealthy man. The Lord has given him flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle, a fortune of silver and gold, and many male and female servants and camels and donkeys. See, there was no denying that God had blessed Abraham. 
Abraham and made him powerful and made him great. Abraham was so powerful that even the kings would invite him over to dine with him. He was so powerful that even Pharaoh invited him over. He had instant access. He had influence to high powers and authority. See, he was so great and he was so powerful. It's like if you would read Abraham in the Forbes magazine, he would be the highest, richest person that ever lived. You would see that he had great wealth. He had fame. He had influence. He was friends with the president. He was friends with prime ministers. He had influence all over the world. He was mighty. He was strong. He had cars. He had houses, he had boats, he had vacation homes. This is what it looked like to look at Abraham. But see, even though God made him great, there's something I noticed about Abraham that I didn't notice before, and it's found in verse 19. Even though God made him great, the Bible says, I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. You see, even though God made him great in wealth and influence, in power and position and possessions, God said in verse 19, I've singled him out. That word singled out means to choose and give attention to. I have singled him out. His purpose is to direct his family to the ways of God. To serve and obey him. God says if there's anything I want to single out in your life, if there's anything I want you to give attention to, is raising your family to do it my way. To serve me. To keep the ways of God. That word ways means a course of life, a path. And when you choose to do it God's way, it will bless your life. 2 Samuel 22, verse 31, David said, God's way is perfect. David wrote this because David himself was a family man who made many mistakes when he tried to do it his way. And his choices led to the downfall and the destruction of his home and his children and his family and his marriage. And David knew firsthand that if you want to live a life of peace, if you want to live a life of joy, if you want to live a life of purpose, you need to choose to do it God's way. See, God told Abraham, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to give you possessions. I'm going to give you property. I'm going to give you influence. I'm going to give you wealth and fortune. I'm going to give you so much, Abraham. But don't let life become about that. I have singled you out. I have chosen. This is your purpose to raise your family and teach them to serve me. Unfortunately, today, our attention is not and doing it God's way. We focus on being great, and great is great, 
Absolutely. But great shouldn't be first. Serving God should be. But see, our attention today is about greatness and being the greatest and having the greatest. All of us want a great life, do we not? All of us want to do great things. We want to send our kids to the greatest schools so that they can have the greatest degrees, to get the greatest job, to make great money, to buy great houses, to drive great cars, to have a great retirement, to do it all over again with the next generation. We're all after greatness. We want to live in great. We want to drive great. We want to be great. We want to have the greatest And there's nothing wrong with that. But understand something that God said to Abraham. I will make you great, but great is not your priority. Raising your children and your home in my ways should be the first thing that has your attention, Abraham. But all of us, we're just thinking about great. It's where our attention is at. God said, your attention, your priority should be about serving and doing life my way. He told Abraham, direct your children so that they will direct their children and the generation after that one the ways Of the Lord. You see, true success, I believe, as a, I'm not a parent, but I'll tell you this true success as a parent is when your children are serving God. You send them to the great schools, you do great things with them, you spend time with them, make sure they have the greatest things, that's fine. But notice what Matthew 16, 26 says, what Jesus asked two profound questions here. What good will it be for a man if he gains the entire world? That's, that means to have greatness. To gain the entire world means to have the greatest success ever. To gain the whole world means you are powerful. Jesus says, what, what's the point? What good will it be for a man if he gains the entire world, yet he forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, what Jesus said is, what good is it to be great and not have a relationship with the Lord? What good is it to be great, yet you forfeit your soul? See, greatness is great, but it shouldn't be the greatest that you're after. And that's why Psalm chapter 127 verse 1 says something profound. Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builder is wasted. And all of us are trying to build this 
these houses. We're trying to build these lives. We're trying to build this foundation of greatness. We're trying to build it through great resumes and great jobs and great finances and having great things in our lives so that people can look at us and say, wow, they're great. Look at them. They're great. They're the greatest. See, all of us are trying to build, but God says the first thing you need to build in your life is with me as a foundation. God says, I need to build the house. But see, many people, the foundation of their life is not God. My foundation is my money. My foundation is my job. My foundation is my children. My foundation is my hobbies. My foundation is everything but God. But God says when the foundation of the, is not the Lord, it's a waste. And many of us are wasting our lives on things that are not going to matter when you're dead. We're wasting our lives and we're teaching our children to waste their lives. And there are so many parents that see their children not serving God and they don't care. There are many parents that see their families destroyed and falling apart and wanting nothing to do with God and they don't care. They say it so nonchalant. Yeah, my children want nothing to do with God. Hey, what's for lunch? Oh yeah, my home is falling apart. My marriage is in shamble. My children hate me, but I, I got to go to work and I got to do other things and other things are important. See, the home is no longer a priority to us. And if you want to have the best home, it starts with God. The foundation. But you're probably thinking, well, pastor, how? Where do I start? Do I, do I start going to church every Sunday? Do I start tucking in my kids with Bible stories? Do I just start, you know, talking more like a Christian or acting more like, where, where do I start? God gives us the answers to that in putting Him first in the home. But it's not easy. You may not even like me after. But in verse 19 of Genesis, He tells Abraham, I'll make you great. I'm going to give you great houses, great land, you're going to have multiple servants. You're going to, have, you're going to be wealthy, powerful, influential. But Abraham, I have singled you out and your purpose and priority first and foremost is me, then your family. And he tells, I love God because God will not only just tell you to do something, He'll always tell you how. I have singled Him out. So that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the ways of the Lord. Here it is. By what? Doing what is right and just. It's in what you do. It's by saying, I'm not just going to tell my kids how to live. I'm going to show them how to live. 
I'm not just going to tell my kids, you need to be more respectful. I want them to see it in me first. I'm not just going to tell my children, submit to authority. I'm going to show them how. I'm not going to just tell my kids, you better respect and love and honor your spouse. I want them to see how. I'm not going to just tell my kids, you need to go to church. I'm going to show them how. I'm not going to just tell my kids, you need to be better with your choices. I'm going to show them how. See, God says it starts with you and in what you do, not what you say only, but in what you do. What you do will have a profound impact of your home. What you do will have severe consequences to your children. And whatever you do at home in front of your children, your children are going to do also, but worse or better. It matters what you do. Because what you do will have significance to the future generation of your family. What my grandmother did had a profound impact on my parents. And what they saw in my mom putting God first, they decided to do also in their home. And because they did it in their home, and I grew up seeing it in my home, you better believe that when I have my home and my family, God will come first as well. Because it's what you do. But see, today we don't really think about what we're doing. Let me rephrase it. We're not thinking about how we're doing things. We're not thinking about this because when you read 1 Timothy 4.12, a young man in the ministry, inexperienced, wanted to make an impact, wanted to change people's lives, wanted to have influence. Paul wrote him an encouraging letter. And he said this, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. And this is the advice Paul gave him. First, he said, be an example. Let's just stop right there, hold the verse. He didn't tell Timothy, listen, you want to make an impact? You better be the greatest preacher ever. You want to be a great, you want to have a great impact? You better work, work and work and make so much money and then people will respect you. You want to make a great impact? You better study, study, study. You better know this Bible and you better make sure that when you teach, it is fire. He didn't say that. He said, Timmy, you want to make a great impact? Be an example. God has placed someone in your life you need to be an example to. Whether your parents, whether your guardians, whether you're single, married, all around you, there is someone that needs to know how to do life, and they're going to learn that through you. Is that not scary? And God says, 
to Timmy here. Be an example. Not just any example. He said, be an example to all believers. And he gives them the stages where we need to really be a good example in. Let's see how many we can pass. Ready? If you pass the the first stage, you you just got to say, got it. And if you didn't, say, help me. Jesus. Ready? Right. Be an example to all believers and what you say. Help me, Jesus. You mean to tell me I got to be careful with how I speak? Some of you can walk out of the church right now. You're like, nope, can't do it. Be an example in how you say things. Not just in what you say, but how you say it. Be an example in the way you live. I'm going to say, help me. What about you guys? Help me. Be an example in the way you you love other people. Don't lie now. Come on, all of us. Oh. Be an example in how you love. Be an example in your faith with God. Be an example. In your purity, that means making sure nothing ungodly, sinful comes into your life. See, when Paul told Timothy, you want to make a difference, it starts by being an example. You want to know where you need to be an example, how you speak, how you live, how you serve God, and not just the things you do, but the things you choose not to do because they're wrong before God. You want to make an impact in this life, you'd be an example. You want to make an impact in your children's life, you'd be an example in all these areas of your life. The way you speak, the way you live, the way you love others, the way you serve God, the way you keep away from things that don't honor God. See, Paul was teaching something that I think we all forget. People are watching. And sometimes those people that are watching you are people that God has put in your life to impact. Those people that are watching are sometimes your son and your daughter. Those people that you're watching are sometimes your grandkids. Those people that are watching are your friends, other believers. Those people that are watching are your unsaved family members, your co-workers. You'll be surprised even when you're not watching, people are watching you. I walk into the church, people are already watching. People will watch everything that you do. You can't get mad because it happens. And God says, when it does, and they're watching, be an example of how you speak, how you live, how you love others, how you serve God, and how you stay pure. 
That's the foundation, first and foremost, of a godly home. It's in what you do because they're watching. Many, many years ago, going back to my family, my grandmother had a friend that she allowed, she let her borrow her shampoo. And this lady broke it and returned it to my grandmother. My grandmother told my mom, I can't believe this woman just, she broke the shampoo. That's all she said. She broke the shampoo. Conversation was over. They moved on. But someone was listening to this conversation. That was my brother Enrique right here. He was young. How old was he, mom? Four years old. Oh, well, was, whatever that means. It was expensive, I guess. And Enrique, at four years old, was watching and listening to this conversation that took place at home. And one day, a while later, this lady, the shampoo destroyer, comes over to the house, takes off her shoes. Enrique, when she wasn't watching, snuck over, grabbed the shoes, took it to the room and peed all over them inside. Got the shoes and put them right where they were. Four years old. Evil. Evil. My brothers are evil. Pray for them. Damien and Lucifer. Danny and Enrique. Pray for them. And when this lady got to, <laughs> to leave and she put those feet in the shoes, oh, you can guess how she felt. And when they asked, well, why did you do that? He said, because you were a mean lady. You broke my grandma's shampoo. The moral of that story is, your kids are always listening to you. Your kids are always watching you. In the time of landlines, when we used to say, tell them I'm not home. You were teaching your children to lie. Congratulations. They're watching you. That's why it's important that you understand that putting God first in the home means what I do. Being an example. How I speak, how I live, how I love, how I serve God, how I stay pure. Not just for you, but for all those around you. You want to know how to put God first in the home? We say it's how you do things. You want to know how not to put God first in the home? One chapter over, we read about Lot. Lot was a godly man that had a family, but did not do it God's way. Here are three quick ways not to put God first in your home. You guys with me this morning? Genesis 13, 11 through 13. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted companies with his uncle Abram. So Abraham settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his tents to the place near Sodom. You know Sodom is a place of wickedness and ungodliness. Notice that Lot 
put a tent near Sodom. He didn't go into Sodom. He went near it. He settled among the cities of the plains, but the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against God. First choice you have to understand about putting God first in the home. Number one, Lot chose to be far from God. You're thinking, well, how, what, wait, how did he choose to be far from God? I want you to notice something. You see, what's interesting about this in verse 12, the Bible says in verse 12 of Genesis 13, so Abram settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his tents to the place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. See, the first thing that he did was he decided to go near Sodom. Now, he knew without a doubt Sodom was a sinful, wicked, ungodly city. But he said to himself, now kids, we're going to go, but we're not going to go in Sodom. We're going to get near Sodom. Did you guys catch that? Verse 12, he moved his tents to the place near, say it with me, near Sodom. A tent in the Bible represents temporary. So in essence, he's telling his family, okay, now kids, honey, we're going to go to Sodom, but we're not going to go in in Sodom. We're just going to temporarily be near it. And one of the worst mistakes you can make in trying to put God first in the home is get near sin and live there temporarily. Say, oh, it's just for a little bit. It's just for a while. It's not going to affect me. You see, Sodom was a wicked place that Lot said to himself, listen, we're not going to, kids, we're not going to get in it, but we're going to get close to it. So he was telling his kids, it's okay to get close to sin as long as you don't do it. And sadly, there's a lot of homes today that are close to sin and near ungodliness and they're just temporarily doing it and they don't think there's anything wrong with it. But the first choice he made was to just get near. What's interesting about Sodom was that Sodom and Gomorrah was facing east where Abraham was in Canaan. And in the Bible, the direction of east most of the time represented ungodliness and being far from God. Let me show you these verses here in this slide here for a minute to give you an example. But in the Bible, when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, the Bible says that after sending them out of the Lord, God stationed a mighty cherub to the what? To the east. So when God banished Adam and Eve, it was towards the east. Now you look at the next family member, Cain, there's children. In Cain, notice Cain, when he sinned against God and killed his brother, and God said he left the Lord's presence, he settled in the land of Nod, where? East of Eden. The Tower of Babel, which the people say, we're going to make a name for ourselves, we're not going to serve God. The Bible says, as the people migrated to the what? East. 
They found the plain of Babylonia and settled there. Speaking of Babylonian, it was in Babylon that the nation of Babylon went and took the nation of Israel away from God. So they took the children of God and took them, guess where? East. Isaiah 2.6, the Bible says the pagan nations, for you have abandoned your people to the house of Jacob because they are filled with the influences from the what? East, the Antichrist, Revelation 6, 12, the sixth angel poured out his bow of the great river Euphrates and it was in the water that dried up and prepared the way for the king from the what? East, the Antichrist from the east. You see that east always represented being far from God. And Lot said, let's go east. Has anything good ever come from anyone that's gone east? Has anything good ever happened to anyone that chose to be far from God? Name me one person that says, ever since I stopped serving God, my life has been amazing. But see, Lot made one choice. Kids, let's get far from God. But see, the further you get from God, the closer you get to Sodom. The further you get from God, the closer you get to sin. That was his first fatal choice. Oh, Sodom was beautiful. Just like sin looks beautiful. But in the end, it would be destroyed. The early stages of sin look beautiful in your life until the end it destroys you. And Lot made a decision to grab his family and said, Kids, let's go far from God and closer to the world of sin. Why is this so significant? You say, well, Pastor, technically he wasn't in Sodom. Just like some of you play that game with God, I'm just going to get close to it, but I'm not going to really do it. And if I do, it will just be a little tent, little temporary time. Did you notice that when the angels visited him, they visited him in his home in Sodom? The Bible doesn't say that they visited him in his tent because after time of being close enough to Sodom, there came a point he just moved in it and settled there. That's why when you see yourself and your family and your home getting far from God, be alert to it. Don't keep going east. Don't keep just going and going far from God. Hey, we haven't been in church in a month or two, but hey, whatever. Hey, we haven't read our Bible in weeks, but it doesn't matter. Hey, we haven't gone to Bible study in months, but it doesn't matter. We haven't opened up the Bible in, in decades. Hey, it doesn't matter. You see yourself and your family going further and further away from God and closer and closer away to sin. And you say, well, it's just temporary. It's just for now. But there comes a point that the choices you make today will be tomorrow's lifestyles. And habits, according to Hebrew. And it's interesting that as the angels visited him, they visited him, his home. He was so far from God, he built a home in Sodom. The first mistake you can make if you're putting, trying to put God's first is choosing to live far from God. And near sin. The second choice 
you cannot make if you want to put God first. It's compromise. It's a lot of compromising people in the home now. We are compromising with sin in the world. You're compromising with your children and your marriage. You're just compromising. Finding a way, a loophole to live godly but ungodly at the same time. Chapter 19, verse 8. It's interesting to me because you read this and Lot said when the people were trying to get into the home, all the wicked people of Sodom were trying to get through the home. Let me be clear about something. We live in a wicked world that's trying to get in your home. Trying to force themselves in the lives of your children. Trying to get in the home. They were trying to get inside. And you would think that Lot would trust God to get all these people out, but he didn't. He actually came outside and started having a conversation with the wicked men. And he started compromising and he said, listen, don't attack these visitors of mine. Let's compromise. Here, have my two daughters. Have my children instead. Do whatever you want with them. And you think to yourself, as a parent, you would say, I could never do that. But you are. Do you know how many parents today are sacrificing their children to the world and don't care? Every time you choose to tell your kids it's okay to miss church, it's okay not to pray, it's okay to be far from God, let's just settle there for a while, you are giving the devil and the world the children that God has promised you and given you the responsibility to raise. You think to yourself, you look at law and you say, I could never do that. But so many people are choosing to let the world inside their home and saying, hey, have my children. Compromising with the world. See, Lot's problem was he not only not trust God, but he wanted to please the people. And if you want to put God first in your home, you better be about pleasing him first and not others. Whether they're family or not, God comes first. It means I am not a people pleaser. I'm a God pleaser first. But see, Lot wanted to please the wicked men of Sodom. And he started compromising. And in doing so, he was willing to give up his children. Is there compromise in your life? Because that day, those children heard their dad. Say, I'd rather please the world than protect you, girls. I'd rather let the world in than protect you. And as a father, you have to be first in line to say, kids, I will always put God first and protect you from this world. Genesis 4-7, God told Cain, sin is at your door. But you can master it. The world that's trying to get inside your home, you can have control over. 
But many parents and family members and people alike don't want the responsibility to take control over what comes into the home. It's too much stress to check my kids' phones. It's too much stress to check their history. It's too much stress to find out who they're hanging out with, who's their friends, who are they dating. It's too much stress. It's too much time. But you have to set a guard at the door because they're trying to get in. And we're saying, go ahead. Have my children. We're compromising. And there'll come a point that you have to make a decision whether you're going to be a God pleaser or a people pleaser. And I'm grateful for our grandmother that chose to please God first and my mother. What about you? The first mistake Lot made was getting far from God and closer to Sodom. The second mistake he made was now he's inside Sodom. He thought, man, I never thought I'd be in here. But the further you go from God, the more you're going to settle. And as he settled, he began to compromise with the people of Sodom. Giving up his children. The last thing he did in verse 15 and 16, as Lot failed to put God first in his home. The dawn of the next morning, the angels became insistent and they said, hurry. They said to Lot, hurry. Notice what the angels said. Take your wife and your two children because God wants you to know something. He is first, then is your spouse, then is your children. Got that? God first, my wife second, my children third. We had that all messed up today, don't we? We're telling our kids, kids, you're first in my life, you're first. Number one. Then it's my marriage, then maybe it's God. But if you want your marriage and your children to work out, you got to put God first. Notice the angel said, get your wife. Your first priority is your marriage in the home. Your second priority after that is those two or three or five, whatever children God has given you. And notice the angel said, hurry. Hurry. Why? Because Sodom is about to be destroyed. You see, we don't even understand this, but at the, in the morning time, the angels visited him and said, hey, hurry. You need to get out of here. And the first thing you need to do is take care of your wife and then grab the children and then lead them out. You know what God is saying? I'm first, your wife is second, your children is, first, is third, and you're responsible to lead. Get them out. Notice, take your wife. Take your kids. Get out. Right now. You'll be swept away in the destruction of this city. And Lot still what? What? He hesitated. And the angel had to grab him by the hand and his wife and his two daughters and rush them safely outside. The third thing you can't do if you want to put God in your home is hesitate to do what is right. 
We live in a culture today of hesitation. Oh, I know I, I need to put more work in my marriage, but I think I'll do it later. I'll hesitate. Oh, I know my kids are rebelling and want nothing to do with God. and I see them spiraling out of control, but they're still young. Maybe when they're older, I'll, I'll deal with it. And they're hesitating. But see, when that angel showed up, a messenger of God, he want, God wanted Lot to know, listen, Lot, you've made some mistakes. You've gone far from me. You have compromised. Look at where you're at right now. It started with your little tent, and now you have a home in this wicked place. But I love you so much, I'm giving you grace and mercy and the opportunity to get out and do it right. How great is God when He says, you can still save your family. You can still save your marriage. You mean to tell me you're going to look at your marriage falling apart and you're going to hesitate? You mean to tell me you're going to look at your children making bad choices and decisions going down the wrong path and you're going to hesitate? God said, hurry. Before it's too late. The things you know it's right that you're hesitating will reach a point that it's too late. There'll come a point that it'll be too late for your children. Too late for your marriage. It will be destroyed. That's why God said, do it now. It amazes me how many people at home are just hesitating. How can you hesitate when God just told you it's going to destroy you? That word hesitate means to, to linger, to pause. How many things in your life God is saying, get out of that already. Do something already. But you're kind of just letting it linger. You're kind of just pausing and saying, maybe later. Don't make that mistake. I believe God has brought you to this service to let you know it's not too late for you. Oh, your kids might be grown up out of the house. It's not too late for you. Yo, your marriage might seem like it's on the verge of collapse. It's not too late for you. God says, hurry. There are many people and families Marriages in crisis. And God is saying, do something. Lot, grab your wife again. Lot, grab those children again. They need you. And Lot said, eh, I don't know. Maybe today you need to grab your wife again. Because your marriage is falling apart. Or your parents that say, you need to grab those kids again because they're going out wrong, to the wrong path. Maybe son, you need to grab yourself again. You say, man, I'm far from God. But you got to start doing something. you got to start spending more time with each other. More time in the church. More time reading your scriptures. 
More time in prayer. But you can't stay where you're at, God says. Because there's going to come a point that it's too late. Don't hesitate. It's not too late. As we close this morning, you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, this was a hard one today. Because God needs to be first in your home. And it starts by what you do. You be an example in how you speak, how you live, how you serve God, and how you stay pure. You say, well, Pastor, I haven't done that. Is it... Is it that I hesitated and now it's too late? And I believe the Lord has brought this word for you this morning because it's not too late. And like Lot, maybe you need to grab your family again. Apologize and say, hey, I've been a bad example. Maybe you need to call your grown-up child and say, hey, I just want to say I'm sorry. Maybe you're a child and you need to call your parents and say, listen, I'm sorry for the things I said. I'm sorry for the way I lived. I'm sorry for the way I did not love. I'm sorry for the way I did not serve God. And for the impure things I allowed to compromise. I'm sorry for the things I I didn't stop, but I allowed in my home. Maybe you need to tell God, God, I'm sorry that I have sacrificed my children to the world. Maybe you need to say, Lord, forgive me because I have not grabbed my wife and taken a handle on my marriage. But I believe the first place you started saying, Lord, forgive me for not putting you first in my home. It's not too late. Jesus loves you. It's not too late. So I'm going to lead you in two prayers today. But I want to tell you this interesting fact. There are three choices you're going to have to make for God. Three. The first one is when God says, hey, you want to do it my way like he did to Abraham? Do you want to live my way and teach your kids to do it my way? My way will bless you. But you need to trust me. Trust in me and follow me. The first choice you're going to have to say is maybe, is no. Sorry, God, I'm going to stay far from you. I want to stay in Sodom. See, in the Bible, Lot had two son-in-laws. And when Lot went to tell them, hey, we need to get out of here. The angel just told me he's going to destroy this place. The Bible says that the son-in-law thought he was joking. They took it as a joke. And see, that's the first thing you have to realize. Maybe today, God is a joke to you. And you're saying no to him. That's okay. God says in the end, when your whole life is destroyed, 
And when you're facing eternity away from me, you'll know I wasn't joking. But they stayed behind. Genesis 19.26, Lot, he took his wife by the hand. And as Lot's wife was walking and saying, yes, Lord, we're going to get out of here, the Bible says she looked back. The second choice you're going to have to make is you're going to say yes to God. Lord, I'm going to serve you, but not fully. I'm going to still go back and forth. I'm going to be in the middle. I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to, I'm going to do what's right, but once in a while, I'm just going to go back. And the Bible says, she looked back and she was falling behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. Destroyed with the rest of Sodom. But see, Lot hesitated. Wasn't perfect. But choose, he chose to fully obey God. Needed help. The Bible said the angels grabbed him by hand. He needed help. But... He got out. He got out. So here's my prayer today. Well, you you can turn that off. Thank you. You, Here's what you need to understand. Your choice today is no God. Yes, but not completely. Or Lord, I will, but I need help. Who do you think God's going to honor? We exist as a church to help you put God fully in your life. But God must be first in your home. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word today. And I pray for the hearts of everyone here today. If you're here today and you're saying, my life is falling apart. I don't know why I'm in this church. But somehow God has brought me here and I feel like I need to do it His way. God loves you. Jesus loves you. Died on the cross for your sins. The Bible says that if anyone believes in Him, that He died and rose again, He will be saved. See, there comes a point like my grandmother did, you have to realize that maybe what you have is a religion You believe in God and you pray and maybe you'll come to church, but something in my grandmother said, I need a relationship with Jesus. See, that's the choice you have to make. All of us have sinned. All of us has fallen short of God's glory. But in his love, he died on the cross for those sins so that when you surrender your life to him, you will be forgiven and you will be saved. If that's your choice this morning, you're saying, yes, God. I want to surrender my life to you. Would you just put your hand up so I can pray for you today? God bless you all across the room today. God bless you back there. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, Lord, I know that I'm saved. I know I'm a believer, but I think I'm like, Lot's wife, I'm kind of back and forth. 
and, and I, I've hesitated and I've allowed my family to go under and I, I'm compromising and I've gone far from God and closer to sin and I have not put God first in your home. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands today. That's between you and God. But I am going to ask you to pray from your heart for the Lord to first forgive you and second, give you the grace to do what is right and be an example starting today. Let's all stand to our feet to pray and dismiss today. Father, we thank you for this service. I pray that you open up the hearts today. If you're here today and you're saying, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life once and for all. Just pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Lord, today I choose to surrender my life to you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins, that you are the way to God the Father, and today I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name. And if you're here this morning, and you're saying, God, I have not put you first in my home, but today I needed to hear this, and it starts now. You pray this with me from your heart. Just say, God, I am sorry that I have not put you first in my home. I have not held on to my marriage and my children. I have not been a good example of how I speak, how I love, how I serve. Father, I have not been faithful to you, but today I know it's not too late. I will no longer hesitate, but I will do what is right. I just ask that you help me. Like Lot, you sent his angels, your angels, to just grab him and lead him. And I pray that you also take a hold of me and lead me in how to lead my family. Thank you for this word today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. I hope you guys enjoyed that today. God first in the home.